37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 116. And it feels like it's been a long-ass time again since we recorded. Uh, at least all together. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's why it feels funny, because you were here last time. No. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. And before we get much further, I want to cue up something special Isaac has prepared for us. So let's just jump right in. It's a perfect intro for this episode. Another episode has passed and I have gotten a redress. Wake me up when stop people end. Tons of long and new FOs is still better than robot hoes. Wake me up when stop people end. Here comes the pain again as this keeps dragging on. Preston did it again And I'm left writing songs Is this another test Just to see how long I'll last Wake me up When stop people around Preston, now you're the one ignoring my phone calls? You told me that you were going to do better than Sean. You told me that you were going to have these all out in good time. And yet, 
here I am singing through another stupid Green Day song and recording another stupid voiceover because Green Day thinks they're such great musicians that we really gotta highlight this section. <sighs> Anyways, seriously, dude, you gotta wrap this up and you gotta do it soon because I'm losing my mind here. Got your booze and cryptid things. Episodes need editing. Wake me up when stop people in. Now Steve is looking like a clown. Is this really going down? Just fucking wake me up when stop people in. Just fucking wake when stop people in Motherfucking wake me up When stop people in Fuck you, Preston. So, Isaac, old pal, to answer your question, <laughs> yes, this episode, here it is. Star People Part <laughs> 3 and the finale, Crash Test Dummies and the Attack of the Clone Babies. <laughs> and I didn't read the notes, so I have no idea what the hell that means. We can all agree <laughs> in agreement with him. Fuck Preston. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm officially a little bitch, just like Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thanks, Isaac, man, for that. Uh, you are becoming, you're becoming part of the show, buddy. Yeah. You are officially the fourth wheel. No, we're we're just basically just gonna put off like multi part episodes just so you send us more songs. <laughs> they all have to be right. Green Day covers. But but like you said, Isaac, fuck Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's find a new band. <laughs> Green. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, God no. But uh before the news, we have some important announcements to make in the uh the upcoming weeks and the upcoming months and whatnot. We have some pretty cool stuff going on. The first of which, guys, on November fifth, it is I think what what the third annual? Mm, yeah, third is that yeah, right, Steve? third year, yeah. Third annual pixelated for a purpose. Three years, Jesus. Where we get together. That's crazy. Yeah, man. It is kind of neat, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're going to get back together, this time in Topeka, Kansas, at Corndog's house, and we're going to do another 24-hour game marathon where we pledge to game nonstop for 24 hours in return, hopefully for some donations from a lot of you great folks, and then those donations, all 100% of the proceeds go towards, uh, what is it, CMN this year? I think we're just doing all CMN? Yeah, Children's Miracle Network, yep. Hell yeah, and last year, hell, we would we raise a grand? I think so, yeah. Maybe a yeah, little bit over. That's phenomenal. Um, yeah, this, yeah. So this year, hopefully, we're going to, we need to start planning stuff to get it more tight fit. But um, there's going to be a lot of us up there. It's going to be me, Sean, Preston, Corey, Brady. And Corey's going to have um, his foreign exchange student that lives with them probably there some of the time. Uh, yeah. Whoever else. I mean, I don't who who knows who else is going to drop by. Uh, but we're all going to go up to Topeka. We're going to fucking go up there a little uh, a little early the day before so we can hang out a little bit with Corey and his yeah. wife. And, yeah, pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good yeah, time. Yeah, just, I mean, it, it, we'll be broadcasting on Facebook. I think that's the easiest way for us to do it. And, and mm -hmm. we get the most uh, feedback and traction. Uh, we do 24 hours 
uh, everybody doesn't doesn't stream the whole time. I think we're probably going to do, I would assume, two streams. And um, yeah, one of them we're gonna have uh, actual children from the ho- the local hospital where Corey's at. I believe that's still going on. Yeah, in Topeka. Yeah, one of the local uh, children's hospitals. We're gonna have a couple of them drop by for a little yeah. while and maybe play some uh, some multiplayer games, some fun yeah. party games. Get the yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's actually kind of a cool uh, evolution of this yeah. whole thing. And if you're a li- and and I know some people when they watch the streams they get kind of. Um, weird about like what they're watching like i mean for me like i don't i'm gonna be appropriate around the children of course but like on mm-hmm. when i'm yeah. broadcasting in my page you know it'll still be all the same stuff but we'll have it out we'll have all the posts public so even if you're not friends on yeah. facebook we'll also share them to the pixelated paranormal page etc yes and it's gonna be a fun time yeah during the i think it's gonna be an hour or two when the uh the children come yep. Um, that'll be a PG show. There won't be any cursing yeah. or anything. I will be dressed as Pennywise, though, with blood all over me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm excited. Uh, unfortunately, as of right now, Rob most most likely won't be able to join us yeah. uh, this year. He's taking care of business and uh, handling some much more important stuff uh, back home. But I think, Preston, you're going to be there, right? Uh, more than likely, we, we got to talk about, uh, you know, off air one oh. day and uh, potentially, yes. Cool. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, if, and if you're awesome. not there or if anybody can't get the stream, like we're going to be on Xbox majority. Um, that's, that's not the right word. Uh, it's <laughs> we're going to be on Xbox most of the time. Uh, join the party chats. Hit us up. Um, it's a It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm telling you, like it's oh, yeah. it's literally a blast, and we and and um, I like that we have the dynamic of all of us contributing because it makes it right. easier for all of us because it is really hard to stay awake for 24 hours, and we're this is a group effort, not just a solo effort. So well, and this year I'm glad you brought that up because this year Corey and I have pledged that we will definitely do it for the full 24 hours. Yeah. We were so close to you doing it were. last time. It. It was embarrassingly close, and we should have just toughed through it, but we did end up caving in for about an hour to get a nap in, like at 7 in the morning. But yeah. uh, nope, this time around, we're going to be awake the entire time, so looking forward to that. Hell yeah. So it'll be fun. Ooh, awesome. And yeah, check it out. Now, the next important announcement uh, is one we've been waiting for for a little while, and we actually have a little bit of a teaser lead-in as to what this is. So let's just cue that right up, guys, and give you a little taste here. Something new is creeping down the pipeline from Pixelated Paranormal. Beginning this November, join us monthly for a very special new podcast we call 13 Nightmares. Here our host will present a deep dive review of some of the most beloved horror movies of all time. Join us, won't you? All right, cool. So Steve, why don't you kind of explain a little bit what exactly 13 Nightmares is and and plans to be? Sweet. 13 Nightmares is a horror movie podcast. Uh, our good friend of the show and good friend in life, Brady. Uh, he used to be a co-host of the show that me and him ran. And um, he's always been interested in doing our podcast, as have I. 
but we didn't really know what would be the one because I want something that's going to be a lot of a, a passion project. I love doing pixelated paranormal and I'm not too uh, knowledgeable in a lot of these areas, but I, you know, I love to listen. So it's cool. Like that's why I'm like the third, you know, the third wheel, the backseat, backseat driver. So right. thir- the backseat yeah. boy. As far as 13, as far as 13 <laughs> nightmares, uh, we're going to be going over horror movies. Now there's been a lot of horror movie podcasts. I hope ours can be a little bit something different. Um, as you know, per the rest of the things that are on the podcast universe. So yeah. what we plan to do is cover a different movie each podcast, maybe even sometimes a, the the saga or the series of, of something. So a movie, right, one episode right. could be Cabin in the Woods, and we talk about Cabin in the Woods, and um, I want to do heavy edits, so we mix in some of the music from the original soundtrack, some of the movie like clips you could hear people say like I want to uh, we want to go into like facts of the movie some inspirations stuff like that and and just you know personal talk of um, each, each each movie between me Brady and Sean and it's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun we uh, we oh, still yeah. we're still deciding on what the first movie is gonna be I think we had an idea but that fell through but it's gonna be. It's, it's going to be fun and it's going to be a passion project. So and it's something we all are really, really excited about. So uh, yeah. instead of a paranormal Cadillac, is it going to be a yellow Delta 88? Yeah, our motherfucking hearse, cuz. <laughs> you got to explain to me what the yellow Delta 88 is. What movie is well, that? Well, actually. From? That's from Ash vs. Evil Dead, dog. It's not an 88. Yes, it's Oldsmobile Delta 88. Back check. Really? I thought he was driving the old... Yeah, yeah. That's what's important about this podcast is going to be, to me, the facts about yeah. the, sh- the movies. I, I thought it was the same car he had from back in uh, the original. Yeah, a Delta 88. Yep. But the movie was made before 88. Get the fuck out of here, Sean. Oh, my God. That's it. No, no, no. That was the name of the car that they made even back in the 60s. It was called oh, a Delta Oh, I'm an idiot. I was thinking... I. When you said that in my head, it got switched around to where it was an 88 Delta. Hold on. Do you guys hear that? This just in. Preston finally owned Sean at a fact. Hell yeah. Oh, very nice. Suck up my boomstick, baby. Just hit the presses straight off of it. Yep. But yeah, that's going to be fun. I am super excited. So it'll be basically kind of a spinoff. Or uh, whatever you want to call it. I'd say a spinoff episode or just... Yeah, it's going to be on the pixelated uh, network. Sausage Network. Sausage Network. So thanks to our our good buddy Mark from Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be on there and we're really, really excited for it. Yep. And the idea is right now it's going to be about... uh, We're going to go for one episode per month to start things off and make sure that we don't just way, 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 way overload ourselves and bog ourselves down with too much going yeah. on. And then, you know, we, we may, uh, as of right now, we might do by, you know, two episodes a month, but we're going to see how that plays out. Cause like you said, Steve, we want it to be a passion. We want to add a lot into the, it, you know, production yeah. value and everything. To where so, it, you know, I'll be doing most of the, per- the, the editing, but if Sean has some ideas, that way we can pass it back and forth and do what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. And it's going to be fun. It's not just going to be like a review of like what we thought went right, why we hated it, why we loved it. It'll just be basically, you know, multiple views on a movie, uh, what we all liked about it. Some things we disliked, but it's not going to be one person just reviewing it. So that's going to be the exciting part Mm -hmm. to me. And I just love alternative facts about horror movies. 
Me too. I love it. Yep. And then I guess the uh, the next bit of news just spirals right off of that. We are doing a very special episode on October sixteenth, Wednesday. That's basically um shit. It's it's yeah. It's, it's a week from yeah. now. This episode we're recording right now comes out Thursday this week. So we're doing a special live show at the CD Trade Post here in Wichita on South Seneca. Leslie has been more than gracious to um, give us the space there, put us up for, you know, an evening, and we're going to be doing a live show. That will involve a little bit of time where we can actually speak. I I shouldn't say live show necessarily as a roundtable. Pixelated Paranormal on location. There you go. (laughs) Right. We should call that on location. We're going to be there for about an hour, half an hour or so of their actual business hours. And then after that, we're going to sit down, the four of us, Preston, myself, Stephen, and Brady, and we're going to sit down with Leslie and John, and we're going to discuss uh, horror movies, because it's fall, y'all. I'm drinking my pumpkin spice uh, cider Ooh. right now. Super excited. <laughs> but we're going to do an episode, and this kind of kind of be like a soft launch, a pilot, or an episode zero for 13 Nightmares, and we're just going to discuss kind of in a rapid fire different movie facts and basically just discussing horror movies. Yeah. And it'll be cool. It's going to be a lot. And of it'll fun. be cool too. Cause it'll be uh well, you know, we'll probably talk to John and Leslie too and ask them the same questions. So you'll be able to get to know them as well. Yes. And if you're local, she's awesome. Go to see trade post. She will yeah. hook you up. and It's great. And they are our great, great friends. They're so nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would go as far as as bold as to say super yeah. fans of the show. So I'm I'm very excited for that. Uh, it'll be cool just to get us you know together, and uh, it's been a show that's been in the making for well over a year now. Yeah, we because w- originally we were gonna do it yeah. last year, and then but just it was schedules it was too close up. to us going down to Rob's. Oh, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But this is gonna be fun because during the show we're going to go through and kind of discuss a little bit about what what got us into horror, why we enjoy horror. Um, what it means to us. So that's going to be a very nice kind of uh, getting to know you episode uh, to launch that new show as well. And uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And my goal hopefully is if we do indeed get some folks to kind of roll in, because Leslie said she will be advertising it and we'll kind of advertise it as well. I'm hoping to get a cornucopia of stories from actual people as far as like, you know, personal paranormal stories, ghost stories, experiences, stuff like that. So that will be a lot of fun. And that will release, um, I would say, probably the last week of the month right before Halloween. That kind of seems appropriate to get that out there. Because if we record that the 16th, it should drop around the 23rd. So one week before Halloween. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Cool. But it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be, you know, it'll be a fun episode for us because we'll get back to doing the old roundtable. We'll get to hang out with John and Leslie. Oh, yeah. It's going to be pretty rad. And I heard Preston's going to show his penis. So it's a win-win. Yeah. You guys can hear all about that. <laughs> we might yeah. broadcast. Bring your different. microscopes, people. Bring your microscopes. <laughs> right. And your 3D glasses. Right. I mean, I'm I'm planning on bringing my, my Macintosh. So with. Oh, fucking nerd. No one calls it my Macintosh. Macintosh. <laughs> I was just reading that word and I was like, it sounds great. So I'm going to bring my iMac yeah. and I'm going to uh, with my microphone. See, so we have, you know, everything on there. Um, so with that camera, we, with the wide lens, we should, we, we could record it if we had internet. I mean, not record it, but, uh, yeah. stream it. So I don't know. We'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll see what goes on when we get there, but either way, it's going to be fun. Yeah, Logistically what we can do. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a good time. 
Super Either way, you should be able to hear excited. it, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before we get into Star People Part 3, the finale, let's go ahead and do some news. News. All right, Steve, what do cool. you got? I got some, got some news for that ass. Mysterious glowing orbs seen off of North Carolina coast. Have you guys heard about this shit? Not at all. It's posted. Nope. This article was posted on October 7th. It says, was it a military exercise, parachute flares, or a UFO squadron maneuvering off the East Coast? So far, there is no explanation for the glowing orbs filmed late last month hovering over the ocean off North Carolina coast. William Guy recorded the cluster of lights while on a ferry in the Pamelico Sound Lagoon. Sounds dope. According to SF Gate, he uploaded on YouTube September 28th, two days after my birthday. Can any in case anybody wanted that? Can anybody tell me what that is? Guy says as he captured the mysterious objects on video, we're in the middle of the ocean on a ferry, nothing around. And then there's the video. Wow. Did you guys watch the video? No, I saw a couple still uh, shots, and it's kind of a weird cluster of lights, right? Yeah, I mean, first off, have yeah, it's like a, it's a really weird cluster of lights. Uh, have you guys both been on been on a cruise? I know Sean has. Yeah, Preston, have you been on one? Uh, negative Ghost Rider. Or have you ever been on any kind of like very very large? Like, have you ever been in the ocean in general? No, I'm not. I, I don't have fins. <laughs> well, I don't know if you visited or something. Like that. But anyway, like when you're, <laughs> I'm yeah. a land hippo, baby. Preston lives yeah. in the no coast, baby. When Can you're be. when you're on a ship, I think that was one of the coolest things to me was go, like the UFO. No, no, I wish <laughs> uh, going out to anywhere on the deck and just looking out, and it's nothing. It's just flat, just water, 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 and and you don't see any land around you. That it's surreal to me anyway. So when I so when I see this video and I see these lights floating in the distance and knowing that there's nothing out there for miles and miles and miles and miles, that's fucking crazy, dude. It's a really yeah, cool video. It is it is very bizarre. But who knows what it is? So hopefully Sean can get a still shot of the lights and then uh Yeah, I'll put that on the show notes right uh for the episode. I'm trying to get a good Clear shot. That one's not bad there. Let's just do that one. Have you guys seen that video on the floating around on uh, Facebook where uh, the guy took like 40 drones and programmed them to like synchronize fly and they had like yeah. lights on it and put on a light show? That's, yeah, that's what this kind of looks like, but in the middle of the ocean? Right, anything's possible, man. Yeah. Government drones, UFO drones. Yeah. And first of all, who is that guy that made a programmed 40 fucking drones? Mysterio? Mysterio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a Spider-Man Far From Home reference, y'all. Damn. <laughs> this is really bizarre. And, and to have this kind of, you know, put out in the press right around the same time that the government has come forward yeah. and the military has come forward and talked about how that infamous Tic Tac video is legitimate and it's true and they have come across these strange objects they cannot explain and so far they've said they're not likely anything from you know any of our military uh forces both u.s yeah. and foreign so i don't know it's, it's an interesting time to be alive because you're finally getting some soft disclosure that yeah there is weird shit yeah the government does have a sector that is involved in researching that and yeah, you know what? Our pilots are indeed not crazy because what they saw legitimately happened. So it's an interesting time to see all this shit and then have a little bit more of a chance for it to be something more 
paranormal or unexplained. So I don't know. I'm excited. Hell yeah. Well, that's uh, it for my news article. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, Preston, what do you got, man? We'll change a pace here from aliens to. Yeah, this so this song is kind of morbid and it's going to be kind of a Debbie Downer compared to Steve's. <clears throat> so, a six-year-old boy in Arizona dies after father tries to perform exorcism on him, police say. An Arizona man was arrested in connection to the death of his six-year-old son after he told investigators he poured hot water down the boy's throat to rid him of demons, according to a criminal complaint. Pablo Martinez told police that he was performing an exorcism on his little boy Thursday because the child was demonic and had a demon inside of him. The boy's adopted mother, Romila Martinez, told detectives that her son had been acting demonic and her husband offered to give the boy and their other child a bath. She told police that she could hear gurgling coming from the bathroom, and when she opened the door, she saw Pablo Martinez holding the six-year-old underneath the faucet in the bathtub, according to the complaint. Romila Martinez said she yelled for him to stop, and he told her that he had to do it. She then called the pastor, and when he did not answer, she called 911, telling the operator that at the time her husband was attempting CPR and poured cold water on the child. Pablo Martinez told investigators he poured hot water down the boy's throat to try to cast out the demon after he witnessed the boy have an unnatural fit of rage. He said the child was under the water for five to ten minutes, the complaint states. The other child eventually left the bathroom in tears. Pablo Martinez told investigators that he thought hot water was working to cast out the demon. He was taken into custody on first-degree murder. Police found the child in a room propped against a pillow. He was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. According to the court documents, the boy had burn marks on 15% of his body, including his head, elbows, and forearms. Fuck, that's crazy. Man, you know Fuck what? Let's err on the side of not paranormal and just this guy being an asshole. And I'm a full proponent for uh, eye for an eye. And I think this guy should just fucking have some boiling water poured down his throat and fucking thrown in a hole. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Jesus. to believe in, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and shit, still go on the other far side of that spectrum and say it was paranormal and it was an exorcism. Call a fucking priest. Yeah. God. Because now all you did is piss off the demon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so without further ado, people, sit back, hold on. We are finally closing the lid on this one. Star People Part 3. Preston, hit it. Singing oh, a sorry. song? <laughs> yeah, the Crash Test Dummies song. Oh, episode's what? called Crash Test Dummies. Anyways, all right. So let's kick this bitch off by traveling back in time. And Steve, I'm going to need you to cue in the time traveling sound noise. Why would Steve do it? I've got the fucking sound effect. Yeah, but Steve though does a. Wait, I've what? Never heard of I've that never done that. Are you talking about like the Wayne's Jesus. World? Like that shit, the Scooby Doo thing? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? There you go. Right. We traveled. Back <laughs> no, no, no. In time. You just said you said why not, meaning you didn't even have a fucking plan. Like, dude, I've no. never made a time machine. <laughs> sound. Like, what, what if I ever made a time machine sound? Yeah, but you've made those other sounds like uh, just a second ago for the news. You're like, that's like a fucking Morse code. Incoming, incoming announcement. The script goes oh. on the left, Preston. 
<laughs> Shit. Oh, I'll put it. I will put in an appropriate time travel sound. My God, that's awesome. And then it was us busting your balls for the next twenty. Obviously, minutes. me and the TARDIS. <laughs> okay, back uh, back on. <laughs> anyways, so an object crashes in the Black Force in Germany in 1936. Within a year, the Nazi war machine takes off. Advanced rockets, weapons, and tales of Nazi UFOs begin to emerge. 1947, Roswell, New Mexico. It's reported a UFO crashed in the desert. The U.S. government moves the downed UFO to Area 51 and thus begins America's greatest conspiracy theory and folkloric tale. Or was it the first? Reported in the St. Louis Democrat and in newspapers throughout the country, on October 19, 1865, James Loomley, a Montana fur trapper was about 175 miles above the upper Mississippi in, his what, in what is now Great Falls, Montana. On his way to camp after a day of trapping, he saw a bright, luminous body in the heavens. As it flew, it burst into flames and exploded. Shortly thereafter, a strong wind swept through the forest like a tornado. The air smelled like sulfur. The next day, Loomley decided to investigate and came upon a path through the forest, several rods wide. At the end of the path, he discovered an object embedded in the side of the mountain. Upon investigating, Loomley discovered the object was sectioned off, almost, as it had rooms inside of it. He said the markings on the object could only have been made by humans or other intelligent creatures. Loomley's story was not the only one from the late 19th century. For example, according to the residents of Aurora, Texas, the cemetery holds the grave of an alien who died in a crash in the middle of the town in 1897. What? Let's dig that shit yeah. up. In Tombstone, Arizona, newspaper archives reveal a day when cowboys shot a giant metallic bird flying in the sky. Yeah, the movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 1896, hundreds of eyewitnesses reported a massive airship floating about a thousand feet over the city of Stockton, California, on the night of November 18th. The following night, Colonel H.D. Shaw and two of his friends went outside of the city limits of Stockton when they came upon a large airship in the field. Shaw later described the ship as being cylindrical in shape, about 150 feet long, 25 feet in diameter, and made of metal. He claimed that three tall, slender men covered in short white hair tried to kidnap them and take them aboard the ship. For the next few weeks, numerous mysterious airships were spotted along the West Coast, in Western Canada, and even as far as Nebraska, and the country entered the 20th century. As the country entered the 20th century, the reports of flying discs and airships continued. 1909, a cavalry unit in pursuit of a gang of Mexican bandits in the southwest came upon a cave they had never seen before. Despite being familiar with the region, upon entering the cave, they discovered a number of metallic horseshoe-shaped flying vehicles, along with a small collection of little gray demons, presumably extraterrestrials. The horses became spooked by the ships, and the creatures in the cavalry, cavalry left the cave. Upon returning the next day... The cave had vanished, and the ships and the aliens were nowhere to be found. Wow. So, we're going to talk about Crash Test Dummies and Blueberry Hill. So, this story is told by Harrison and starts off with him driving Artie Sixkeller Clark to the ranch he inherited from his grandfather, where the paranormal counters took place. Artie goes on to say, I met Harrison when he was in his early 50s. While our friendship grew to be respectful, it was far from an instant camaraderie. 
The two of us met about five years after I moved to the university when his school district requested my assistance in applying for a federal grant. Harrison was my contact and the person responsible for escorting me around the reservation to meet and speak with various groups and the parents about applications. He made it clear at the onset that he did not understand why the tribe had requested assistance. Despite his misgivings, I continued to work alongside him for a number of years, gaining his trust and confidence. My grandfather took me to the spaceship in the summer of 1945. I was 12 at the time. The Army Corps of Engineers came to the reservation around the summer of 47 to survey the river and surrounding area for the reservoir. So originally, there wasn't a reservoir. Right. There was a river that flowed through this property. When the corpse came, they confiscated Gramps' land and in return gave him some worthless land on the other side of that butte. I spent every summer on his place from the time I was six years old. Mom and Pop both worked for the tribe, and they didn't want me home alone during the summers. So every May, I packed up two paper bags, one with a change of clothes and the other with books, marbles, my toy gun. My folks dropped me off to live with Gramps from June to late August. I loved my summers here, even the isolation. I was the only child for miles. I rode horses and herded cattle, helped with the chores, whatever I could do. As I got older, there were bigger chores and more responsibility. There was no TV or videos like the kids have today. At night, Gramps amused me with ancient myths and legends of our people, or we played checkers or Monopoly. He loved Monopoly. As I got older, I read books to him. He liked that a lot. After a two-hour drive deep into the middle of nowhere, down a winding road that looked like it was made more for cows than cars, they stopped and got out. Harrison points to a little ways down in the distance and says, If you stand right here and look toward the horizon, that is where the ranch begins to the south. Artie describes it as, There are no neighbors, no structures, nothing inside except one old room log cabin and a 900-square-foot ranch-style shoebox house, typical of reservations or reservation homes. So basically in the butt fuck of nowhere. <laughs> in the butte of the butt. <laughs> My grandfather lived in that cabin until the day he died. Back in the early 1980s, the tribe insisted that he participate in the mutual help program and this ranch house was built. He stayed in it one night, as I recall, and then moved back into his log cabin. The main house stood vacant for years except when relatives came to visit. They would stay in the new house over the years, it suffered from lack of attention. Did you say a spaceship crashed on this property? Yes. In fact, I saw the ship. I went aboard it. It was a long cylinder about 30 feet wide and 60 feet long. I measured it by pacing it off. Most of it stuck inside a butte close to the water level. Harrison at this point was pointing to the reservoir that lay in the valley below. It was well camouflaged. You can't see the butte now. It's covered by water when the corpse of engineers flooded the valley, creating the reservoir. How'd you say your grandfather found the craft? Well, the crash shook the ground so hard that Gramps thought the horses uh, or the house was going to collapse. You can still see the crack in the foundation of the log cabin that Gramps said occurred when the spaceship crashed. The horses were so frightened that it took a month to round them up, and even then they were consistently trying to escape. At first, Gramps thought it was an earthquake, but when he ran outside, he saw a huge dust cloud blocking the western sky. When the dust cleared, he saw the craft. It hit with such a force that only a small section uh, stuck out of the butte. But Gramps not only had a keen eye, he knew the land like the back of his hand. The smallest disturbance caught his attention. 
For the longest time, he sat on the butte watching for any sign of life. He kept the vigil for days. Finally, after a week or so, he ventured to the place of impact. And did your grandfather see any beings? He said the starmen who crashed survived and lived in their craft about five months before they were rescued. At the time of the crash, the closest ranch to our place was 10 miles away, and as fate would have it, those neighbors had moved out of state days before the crash occurred. Gramps was delighted in keeping the starmen's present a secret. How did he approach them? Well, he went hunting and took them food, but said they told him they did not eat flesh. Did he describe them? Yeah, they were taller than him and white. Gramps said they were over six feet tall. If they were taller by a foot, that would make the star visitors over seven feet tall. He described them as being so white that you could almost see inside of them. I'm not sure what he meant by that, except that he said their skin was thin. They had long, slender fingers, much longer than humans. Their hair was white. When the sun shined on it, Gramps said it looked like a halo surrounded their heads. He said that sometimes they looked like angels depicted in paintings of his Bible, except that they did not wear gowns. Their eyes, too. He said they changed color depending on the light. That's an interesting observation. Did he make any comments about any other facial characteristics? Yeah, he, he said they looked like they were all related. He thought maybe they were brothers or cousins. They looked so much alike that he had difficulty telling them apart. He said he could not tell their age, but they all seemed to be the same age, if that makes sense. Some had longer hair than others, which was the only distinguishing feature that he mentioned. And apparently he thought they were all male? Yeah, I think that would be a fair assumption. He was particularly interested in their clothes. They wore a one-piece light green outfit. He told me there were times when he saw them waiting in the river, and when he approached them, their suits were dry. He told me he wished he had a suit like that. When I think of the old man and how he viewed the star visitors, he did his best to describe what he saw. I'm sure if the same thing occurred today, the observers might offer a more sophisticated perspective. It sounds like he was very observant. Well, there were 14 of them. Gramps was never sure if they, if any died during the crash, but when I arrived for the summer, I went on board the craft. There were 17 seats. Was there any sign that somebody had died in the crash? None. Did your grandfather have a perspective on the purpose of their travel? Gramps said that he often saw the Sar people picking up rocks and plants. At first, when they saw him, they vanished before his eyes. Vanished? Yeah, disappeared. He never discovered an explanation for that, but he wished he had that power. Gramps thought that that was the ultimate trait, simply to vanish in thin air when you wanted. I can't imagine how he planned to use it. As time passed, Gramps said that the starmen realized he meant them no harm and that they didn't disappear when he approached. Over time, it became clear to him that they were concerned about their craft. They did not want it discovered. Did your grandfather tell you what happened to them? He said they lived here from late November until April. According to him, on April 17, 1945, another spaceship appeared, and he never saw them again. He knew they were waiting for a rescue craft, so he expected it. He told me their spaceship was one of four exploring the Earth. They had been dropped off by a bigger ship that was circling Earth. Dropped off? That's what Gramps understood. The big ship would return for them, but not for some time. They just had to wait it out. They were not afraid they they were not afraid they would be discovered. They could make themselves invisible, but they could not do the same for their spaceship. Did your grandfather see the rescue? Apparently so. He said the rescue craft landed in the field to the west of the house. It was exactly like the one that crashed. He watched as they prepared to leave. 
Each of the stranded star travelers came to him and bowed before they left. He understood they appreciated his discretion. So before they left, did they make any efforts to conceal the spacecraft or to destroy it? Well, the spacecraft was no ordinary machine. Gramp said it had the capability to change shape and then resume its shape. I'm not sure I understand what you're telling me. Well, when they crashed, the spaceship was damaged severely, but it made itself appear as part of the landscape. I don't know how to explain it. Gramp said that when he first saw the spaceship, there were dents and scrapes all over the backside and a big hole in it. The spacecraft shape shifted and looked like a big boulder. He never knew how that happened. He also said they, that they tunneled further into the butte to conceal the craft so that only a part of the boulder could be seen with the naked eye. It matched the landscape. I actually saw that myself. The spaceship itself was silver, but there was a section where the doorway was and the back end of the craft, and that it looked like the desert soil of the butte. So they could change the external part of the craft, but they couldn't get the craft to work because of the crash. Is that correct? Yeah, they told Gramps that they could not control the guidance. He didn't understand that at the time, and I'm not sure I do either. Maybe it would be like a plane without one wing or a ship without a rudder. What did your grandfather think about the ability to change the external part of the craft? He looked upon the spaceship as a living organism. He believed it was fixing or repairing itself. I never knew what to believe, honestly. I was too young, and now I'm too old to figure it out. All I know is what Gramps told me and what I saw. Did the star people tell your grandfather the name of the place they call home? They told him they came from a star system in the Taurus constellation. He said they called their world Inyan. It reminded me of the world of the word Inya, coincidentally means rock in my language. Did they call it the Taurus constellation? I discovered that it was Taurus from a teacher in high school. The star visitors pointed out the constellation to him, and I asked my science teacher if that group of stars had a name. We looked it up together. Did they give him any indication of why they were here? Graham said they were voyagers and traveled the universe observing life on other worlds. They had been coming to Earth for thousands of years, observing, collecting data, and noting changes. One day, they took him aboard their craft and showed him pictures from their home. As he described it, I suspect it was some kind of a TV or computer, but my grandfather's day, there was no such thing, so he was enthralled by what he called a picture machine. He talked about flashing pictures that showed him a place different from Earth. It reminded him of, of the Badlands with no vegetation. Their houses were underground. He asked them if it was heaven, and they told them they did not have such a place, or they did not have a place such as heaven. He was fascinated by the picture machine and went back several times to view the pictures. Apparently, the star visitors told him they liked the green of Earth, and they thought that the red willow that grew along the banks of the river was quite beautiful in April. They loved the water. On their world, water was underground, nothing on the surface. My grandfather frequently co collected geodes for them. They were amazed when he broke them open to reveal the crystallized cities inside. They were apparently pleased to add them to their collection. Gramps also taught them uh, the medicinal uses of the red willow and how to propagate it for a small sample. Mm -hmm. did, your <laughs> did your grandfather learn about their spiritual beliefs? He told me they were curious about heaven. I remember he, he, he said he told them two versions, the white man's Bible and the Indian version. He often talked about the happy hunting ground, so I suspect he told them all about that. When I arrived at the ranch in late May, the starmen were gone. By this time, the entrance to the craft 
had been concealed, but Gramps showed me how to access the inside of the craft from an invisible door near the rear that was so well camouflaged that even the most astute observer would not have seen it. I entered through that door and examined the craft. What do you remember about it? The craft was well hidden inside the butte where it crashed. It was so well hidden that anyone passing by would have missed it. But if you wiped the dirt away, there was a smooth, dull, metallic surface underneath. It was not round like a saucer. It was long and sleek like a rocket that I had seen in comic books. I counted 17 seats, and I sat in one, and it melted around me. Melted? Nope. <laughs> yes, the chair melted around me. My first reaction was that I was trapped and I was frightened. Just as I struggled to escape, the chair released me. After that, I tried the chair again and again. Every time it enveloped me like a warm hug and then released me when I wanted to get up. It was like it anticipated my desire to stand. Can you describe the inside of the craft? Everything inside the craft was the same dull gray metal, even the seats. But the seats, they were warm and comforting like an embrace. I expected the seats would be hard and cold, but they weren't. They were soft and soothing. I can still close my eyes and imagine that feeling. The surface inside the craft was smooth, the walls, the seats, the floors. There was uh, screens and buttons and knobs. There were characters written under some of them, and at that time, I did not understand them all. But now, I would say that they, they were a type of hieroglyph. I knew nothing of those things when I was 12. There was another room or space behind the chairs. It was a smaller area and contained a huge round cylinder encased in a huge glass-like ball. I don't know what it was. I remember looking for weapons, but I didn't find any. There was a th thick, slimy substance like honey stored in a clear container along the walls. When I lifted them from the shelf, they offered resistance like they were glued to the spot, but now I think it might have been magnetism. I'm not sure. I think they might have been taking everything they brought with them uh, when their base ship returned. The craft was clean except for those jars. And what did they contain? I wanted to take one of the containers home, but the old man said it was not a good idea. He said it could, it could contain medicine not meant for us and that they should stay with the craft. I opened one and it smelled the contents, and the scent took my breath away. It reeked like compost pile, like decaying soil and waste. Gramps was sure it was their medicine. How did this crash remain a secret all of these years? Lady, this is a reservation. An entire fleet of spaceships can land out here and no one would know. You have to remember the time, too. The reservations were constructed in the 50s and early, or the reservoir was constructed in the 50s and early 60s. Even today, there are few whites who venture down this way, and Indians do not have boats. It is too far inside the reservation territory for much traffic. Secondly, few people live out this way. It's 20 miles from the highway, and it's not a place that attracts visitors. And besides, the craft was well concealed within by dirt and rock. You had to almost walk up to even notice it. The way it was embedded into the rock and dirt made it look like a part of the natural terrain. And then the Army Corps of Engineers came and built the dam. They flooded the area, and the evidence was covered with water. That is unless the Army people discovered it and hauled it away. Did your grandfather ever tell anybody about the Star People? Nope. No one except me. And I was sworn to secrecy. Well, maybe a couple of his boyhood friends. But he told me the land where they crashed was his land, and as far as he was concerned, they were his guests. When the corpse came, he knew the Star Travelers were gone, so he kept their secret. Do you think the spaceship is still there, hidden under millions of gallons of water? Well, 
When they came to build the reservoir, I was here. Gramps was upset that they were taking his land, but even more distraught that they had uh, cordoned off part of his land that contained the crash site. It was not long before they told him that he would have to evacuate his house until they completed the blasting. They put him up in a motel off the reservation for several weeks. I stayed in town with him that summer. We had two double beds, a free meal pass at the local restaurant. It was an interesting time. Gramps behaved like a caged animal. He hated that motel and the restaurant food. We spent hours walking the dirt roads out of town. He worried about the horses, his cattle. He was afraid they would not have water. Some days when it was too hot out to walk outside, I read Western paperbacks or we played checkers or poker. When did you return to the ranch? It was somewhere near the end of July. I remember it took almost... It took most of August to round up the horses and cattle for winter. I was worried I would not be able to help him get the job done before I had to return to school. Had the place changed much in your absence? Well, when we arrived, the landscape was totally changed. They moved tons of dirt. There was once a field, now there were hills. It was impossible to even figure out where the butte had been. Grandpa believed they had found the spaceship and hauled it away. Eh, he was probably right. So can you explain how the government could haul away a spaceship without somebody noticing it? Lady, the government could have done almost anything and no one would bat an eye. Everyone was thunderstruck by huge trucks and equipment that was brought in to build the reservoir. Some people would line the roads just to watch the equipment pass. Anything could have been moved without people knowing about it. Even if they saw it, they wouldn't understand what they saw. Another thing is to remember... It was a time when Indians were afraid of the government. There were those alive who still remembered Wounded Knee and Little Bighorn. Why did your grandfather believe they found the craft? He told me that one of the engineers visited him uh, one day, and they talked about the inaccessibility of the ranch. He asked Grandpa if he ever saw anything strange. I guess Grandpa told him that he went to bed when it got dark and got up when the sun came up and didn't have much time for anything else. Gramps said he played dumb to his questioning, but he understood the implications of the Inquisition. So how many times did you go back to the craft after your first visit? Regretfully, I never returned to the spaceship. I wanted to, but Gramps told me it was a holy place and we should not look upon it as curiosity or something to explore. And in those days, kids listened to their elders. I never went back. Do you have any final thoughts on what occurred here? Indian people believe that star people came to us in the old days. Some say they were our relatives. Others believe they were our guardians. So it was not unusual that a starship crashed here. As for me, it, all, it only confirmed what I already knew, that star people existed. You're probably one of the few people alive who have been aboard a spaceship and can describe it. Eh, there's probably hundreds, maybe thousands of others with similar experiences, but they will just not admit it. Did your grandfather consider the star people his friends? You know, I asked Gramps the same question. He told me that they said that they were not our enemies and they meant Earth people no harm, but they said they did not want to be friends with the people of Earth. They never interfere in life that they find in the universe. That is their way. Apparently, that is the reason why they are so concerned about concealing their craft. They did not want to leave a footprint on Earth. At least this is what Gramps believed. One more question. What language did the star people speak? My grandfather spoke English, but he was more comfortable with our own language. To tell you the truth, I never thought about that. I should have asked him. Wow. That's great. So what's yeah. interesting there 
in that story is the fact that they found that that jar of like compost smelling stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in a lot of cases, when you talk about aliens and, and you know grays and whatnot, they're often time to be they're oftentimes to be described as like this weird bio engineered creature, like they're made out of some kind of manufactured goods, almost like Frankenstein parts or like dead parts that are reanimated or uh, you know robots that have you know bio matter built into them. So the fact that you talk about a compost type material is really wicked. And they've also been described as having more of a plant-like uh, cellular structure versus an animal uh, cell structure. Yeah. And then, you know, the d- description of them matched that earlier story from like 1889 when the, you know, the out in California, um, the general uh, went and they found the spacecraft and, you know, there was three tall aliens with white hair and then this space cra- crash happened in 1947, yeah. right around the time mm-hmm. of Roswell. And, uh, you know, they also described the aliens as being tall with white hair. Wow. Huh. It's all coming together. Yeah. Okay, so what else you got for us? Well, now we're going to tell the story of Willie Joe and the alien babies. Can, can I do the Sean part? You want to? Oh, I mean, if you want to yeah. do the Sean part, you, I don't That's care. Cool. Oh, yeah, do it. Wait. All right. So a university educated Navajo in his mid-40s, Willie Joe related one of the most unusual stories I recorded. I met Willie Joe in the late spring of 1987. I had gone to Phoenix to attend a conference and decided to extend my stay by a few days and visit the Grand Canyon. While driving through the Navajo reservation, I stopped at several roadside jewelry stands. And at one booth, I saw an alien head keychain fashioned from silver with inlaid turquoise eyes, which sounds Really badass. <laughs> While talking with the owner of the stand, I discovered the artist was his cousin. And when I asked him if he believed in star people, he said that UFOs frequently visited the reservation. Although he admitted to seeing spacecraft several Go times, on. he said he had never seen an extraterrestrial. And as we continued talking, I explained my personal interest in UFOs and star people. He listened intently without interrupting me. When I finished, he opened his cooler and offered me a cold drink. After selling several items to a carload of tourists from Ohio, he revealed that his cousin, who made the alien head keychain, shared my interest in UFOs and aliens. He walked to his pickup and dialed his mobile phone and began speaking rapidly in Navajo. When he returned, he looked at me and smiled and said, Willie Joe says he'll, he will meet you at the Holiday Inn restaurant in Chennai for breakfast tomorrow, if you're interested. You can't miss him. He wears the biggest black cowboy hat on the reservation. He'll meet you at 7 a.m. He has to be at work by 9. I'll be there. Early the next morning, I met Willie Joe. He was a short, stout, muscular man with laughing eyes and an infectious smile. Just as his cousin predicted, I spotted the black cowboy hat decorated with silver conchos the moment I walked into the restaurant. He wore a massive turquoise bracelet on his right wrist and a large turquoise stone on the bolo tie dope around his neck. After brief (laughs) introductions, I sat down and we began to exchange information about our families, a typical icebreaker among American Indian people. He said he graduated from University of Arizona. His two brothers helped him financially while in college. He had never married, although he had been tempted a time or two. At the time I met Willie, he was in his mid-40s. Our friendship lasted until his premature death ten years later. My cousin tells me you're interested in a key ring I made. Yes, it was uh, the alien head key ring with turquoise eyes. 
I make jewelry when I have time. My cousin sells it for me. It's more like a hobby than a profession. I have a daytime job. I work in the juvenile justice program. Your cousin also tells me that you have seen UFOs. Would you be willing to tell me about your experiences? My life has never been my own. From the time I was born, I had a twin. Not in the sense of a biological twin, but a twin created by aliens from my blood and nurtured by them on some far distant planet. Every year they came and took me to him. We would play together for a while, and then they would take us into a room, connect us up to machines, and check us out. I always thought that they were transferring my knowledge to him. I grew up always knowing that they could come at any time. I don't know why they needed a duplicate of me. Maybe everyone has a twin, and someday all the human race will be replaced by the doubles. Deep. Is that what you believe? <laughs> Do you think the... De- the- is that what you believe? Do you think the aliens are making a double so they can replace you here on Earth? When I was a kid, I believed they were capable of just about anything. I was not the only child taken and duplicated. When they would come and take me to their spaceship, I saw others just like me. Over time, there were hundreds, maybe thousands of us taken from all races. For some reason, I always believed our government knew about it. Maybe they considered us disposable people. Was there any particular reason that made you believe the government was cooperating with the aliens? Perhaps I was just paranoid. After all, I'm Indian and distrust the government is part of our DNA. Or maybe it's something I learned during my abductions. Now that I'm older and hopefully wiser, I think I was no more than an experiment, but for some reason I still believe the government knows about it. Why do you think the government would cooperate? Simple. If the aliens are superior and stronger than humans in our government... It would only be natural for them to cooperate, perhaps out of fear or maybe to gain favors from the aliens. Favors? You know, like, you know, advanced technology. I think that's the reason the government is uh, so vehement in their denials of the existence of aliens. How could you ever admit to the American people that you're allowing aliens to experiment on humans in return for technological advancements? So what do you do? You throw up a smokescreen, find a few academics to write books, and make the people who come forth look like idiots humiliate them and poke fun of them. That way they keep the truth submerged. Hmm. What about the other kind of favors? (laughs) 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 Does your devil have your personality? Is it just like you? Well, there were some things I kept for myself. What do you mean? If they did put him, my double, I mean, in my place on earth, I don't think he would understand our culture. He would be an outsider. It would be like a white man reading about the deny ways and not having them a part of his soul. These aliens can intercept a man's body. They can copy his body, They can, but they can't take his soul. I think they are without soul, so they might get an identical body and shape, form, and voice, but the soul or the spirit cannot be duplicated. This duplicate can never be a real Navajo. Over the next several years, I met Willie Joe on several occasions. His story never changed or varied. He was proud that he had never taken to drinking or prided himself on being a role model for the young people in his community. He told me that his nieces and nephews did not like him to babysit them when they were young because he was too strict. He confided that he volunteered to babysit because he was afraid if someone else looked out for them, they might not know the dangers of the night. His abductors always came under the cloak of darkness when he was a child. On our last visit, Willie Joe told me that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he thought his sickness, his cancer, was related to his abduction. He said the aliens stopped abducting him a few months earlier. 
You know, they're not so omnipotent. If they were, they could cure this cancer, or maybe again they were finished with me. I had hoped before I passed I would understand why they took me and why they made a duplicate of me. I wanted to believe I was no more than an experiment. When I was young, I wanted to marry and have lots of kids. I was from a large family, and Navajos love big families. I never married because I was always afraid that they would take one of my children and make a reproduction. I did not want to, be, I did not want to condemn a child to that fate. But you said they never hurt you. That's true, but they stole my privacy, my rights to live, my life without interference. All a man needs in this world is the respect of his friends and relatives. He needs to live a life he needs to live his life with dignity. They never treated me with dignity. I only asked one thing of them. I wanted I wanted to know what gave them the right to kidnap human children, but they never told me. I've been thinking about uh, I've been thinking lately about dying, and I know I only have a few months left. But if you do write that book, I want you to make sure you tell my story. People need to know that these abductions are, mu- are much more than curiosity or medical exams. There's a mane- male- malevolence about them. Parents need to know that if children tell stories about a twin or strangers who come into their room at night, listen to them. Chances are they are like me. Trust me, I want to get paid. I'll make sure to tell your story. <laughs> Perhaps the reason I'm here on this earth is to meet you and for you to tell my story. That way, when you write your book, my story will be told and I will have fulfilled my purpose of life. Five months later, Willie passed, leaving no descendants. I cannot help but wonder about the twin that he spoke about and where and if he still lived on the memories and knowledge of Willie Joe. Exactly two weeks after his death, a doctor in Scotland introduced Dolly, a cloned sheep, to the world. I thought about Willie. He was aware of this technology at least 40 years earlier. I wonder how long it would be before we humans would be cloning children, too. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Damn. I love clone okay, movies. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Like multiplicity? All, the, all of them. She, in here. she touched my peppy, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But, like, I mean, it's it, he's right. Like, I was going to say, man, yeah. it sounds like that sheep shit. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if I have an alien clone out there, that's cool. Just, you know, hopefully my dick's bigger. <laughs> it's a clone, uh, Preston, so probably an exact duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Maybe they felt sorry for him and like, let's genetically engineer that a little better. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so what's really funny here is this, that last story especially sounds a hell of a lot like that uh, Thieves in the Night talk about um, changelings. And the fact yeah. that people, you know, how they have twins they speak of and shit like that, that's really, really bizarre. But furthermore, like, this whole series, these three episodes, if you put them all together, are obviously about Native American beliefs. These are people who traditionally, you know, from what I've learned, have pretty different beliefs than we do. If their reports are coming back about aliens are true, they're the pretty much the exact same experience and beliefs that, you know other cultures have as well you have abductions you have the need and the drive to you know share their technology with us to get us you know springboarded into the future but not enough to really like you know surpass them you have the good ones you but you also have the bad ones you have the bad ones who are taking people away they're you know affecting and infecting the livestock and they're also you know doing these cloning experiments and doing these hybrid uh you know, programs and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see that these beliefs and these reports pretty much match up almost blow for blow 
with the traditional, you know, North American belief of, you know, uh, alien abduction culture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was a good, well, good job, shit. Preston. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Yeah, awesome, dude. Um, so, like you said earlier, that book has many more chapters. You know, I, I really cherry-picked the best stories out of that book. And then I think, you know, as a listener of the show, if this topic interests you, you know, you want to be able to pick up that book. Like, I don't want to spoil everything in that book. Um, and, uh, you know, the last story I thought really tied in really well with these in the night. And, uh, you know, we're always talking about Roswell. And, uh, so I try to pick out the ones that, uh, you know, would really tie in for us, but, uh, you know, to open it up to the listeners, you know, you still have 20 more chapters to go read. Jesus. And that's just in one book or is that all three books? Yeah. That's just in one book. So Golly. yeah, that's amazing. Now, one topic. of her books I might pick up has to do with uh, native Americans in Vietnam and then encountering aliens and uh, during like uh, battles and things like that. Uh-huh. So I might actually pick up that book and uh, do that a couple months down the road. So yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. I'd love to kind of revisit that again down the road. Anybody watching anything good uh, worth noting at the moment? I just uh, watched that uh, new uh, Into the Tall Grass Me on too. Netflix. Oh, Loved nice. it. Yeah, that's pretty fucking good. Oh, so yeah. really I've good. got the short story. I'm going to try to read that this weekend before I watch the show because you know what? Hopefully it's good. Netflix really just screwed 1922 hard because that book is a really, really wonderful story. Uh, it's a, you know one of his no- novellas or whatever you want to call it. And mm-hmm. Netflix really just completely turned the ending ass backwards and lost the entire message and the entire feeling of how that story should have ended. So hopefully Into the Tall Grass is a bit different. Yeah. I Dude, I loved it. <laughs> like, yeah. Good. Yeah. I fucking love that shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got Patrick Wilson in it. So, I mean, how can you go wrong? Oh, yeah. Right. What, did, what did Patrick Wilson do? What else did he do? Insidious, one, two, three. And... um He's in the Conjuring as well. He's also in the yeah. uh, Hard Candy movie. Oh, he plays yeah, a Ed oh, yeah. Ed uh, Ed Warren. Yeah. yeah, he plays. He plays. He plays Ed Warren. Yeah, nice. Oh yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Cool. Well, we are just about done with season five of The Ranch, and by God, <laughs> I want. I, I yeah, I, I, I need to that watch show. that. Uh, we, me and my girlfriend, we went through um, American Horror Story Apocalypse. I haven't watched American Horror Story in forever. Yeah, I watched a little bit of Roanoke until they did like the twist with the yeah, um, and uh, I watched Apocalypse, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is this is actually pretty good, and then they do like a twist like they usually do, uh-huh. and it does like a lot of like tie into the other seasons, and yeah, it's really I'm like, this is fucking amazing. So, um, if you're kind of on the fence with American Horror Story, it's pretty cool to watch that one, especially if you've watched, you know. Uh, Murder House, Coven, shit like that. It's yeah, I liked it better in Cult. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the Cult. Was just the fucking cult terrible. Season. Yeah, they just tried way too hard to be fucking politically uh, edgy, and it just sucked. It was nothing but Sarah Polson crying for like twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I never watched. Critical. I never watched Hotel either. Yeah, Hotel was good too. Their their problem like is Hotel. like. They're notorious for having a really good start to a series, a decent twist, and then just completely shitting the bed and just killing everybody as a, a means to an end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so. the last two episodes of Hotel, like you could just like redo those and fix the season. <laughs> right. So. 
Yeah. But like you said, Steve, I coincidentally just finished it the night before last and I said the same thing. It was very, very pleasant. I really enjoyed it. And at the end, I'm like, fuck, I quite can't every season have been this good. Yeah. So you I'm know? excited to see how the, the 1984 turns out. Yeah. They still, though, did not answer the question that I have. In season two, Asylum, what the fuck, bro? Where are the aliens at? Yeah, not only that, remember the promotional materials they were doing for the season after? No, the before they did Roanoke, they were doing all these like promotionals like, what's the next season going to be about? And they showed one that was like an alien craft abducting somebody out of a field. Yeah, remember I remember that? that. Oh, that was yep. so, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yep, and then never touched on it. Yep. <laughs> like, Rat bastards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, cool. All right, guys. If you have Shudder, check out Creep Show. Creep Show uh, episode one and two is out, and they're doing some fun stuff with that too. I need to watch that too. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. A little, little short anthology story. So cool. All right, guys. Well, let's plug some shows and get out of here. Steve, you got any podcasts you want to plug, buddy? I'm just uh, not really listening to much of anything at, at all lately. Just uh, catching uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast. It's always a, it's always a treat. He interviewed uh, David Letterman, and that's a lot of fun. Oh, damn. Yeah, I like yeah. I like listening to him talk now that he's not on the air and he can say what he wants. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It's just I love Conan O'Brien's podcast. If you have not listened to it, check it out. It's called Conan yeah. Needs a Friend, and it's, it's fucking great. I like it because it's just as edgy and insightful as Howard Stern, save for the, like the real you know pervy, dirty shit. You know, I love Howard Stern's yeah. uh, interviews as well, but. If you take everything and you just remove a little bit of that uh, raunchiness, uh, that's pretty much Conan. He does yeah. some really great deep dives and just has honest conversation with people. Yeah, the, the episode with Howard Stern's fucking great. Oh, he has an episode with Howard Stern? Mm-hmm. Jeez, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, me too, man. That's, that's <laughs> fucking behind. shows the Is shit, Is that from dude. season two then? Recent? No, that's from season one. They just launched season two, David Letterman's season two opener. Oh, well, hell yeah. I need to go back then and maybe listen to... Oh, you know what? I did listen to the Howard Stern one now that I think about it. Okay, anyway, back yeah. on back on topic here. Uh, check out Mark's solo cast, Pixelated Sausage. Check out Attack the Backlog. Check out our new show coming out in November, y'all. 13 Nightmares. We're very excited. And uh, I think also, I might be as bold as to say, I don't think we're going to be as critical as we are in some of these TV shows. Like my massive displeasure for american horror story <laughs> yeah. and also um if you if, if you're out there and you want to support the show at any time uh, it's really important to uh check out pixelatedsausage.com because there's a patreon button there and you know if you feel like you want to do a donation to that that's great um that goes to our that goes to our web host mark and all the hard work he does on the on that end and uh, it'd be much, it'd be much appreciated. You don't have to. You'll never get anything special other than a awesome hug and your e hug, whatever. <laughs> e hugs. Prop props from us. You know, yeah. Uh, we're never gonna charge for extra episodes or anything like that. But it does help with uh, things like that. So, um, yeah, check it out. Oh yeah, and I I haven't talked to you guys about it. I briefly mentioned it last time. I would like to think of some kind of reward to put on there. Something I'm leaning towards is a certain you know small small minimum donation would allow a person to potentially, you know, choose a topic for an upcoming episode. Like they that that would choose. be dope. Yeah. They, they would choose yeah. the topic. Yeah. Um, that'd be sick. The topic will be, you know, the episode would be released, you know, to the public. It wouldn't be, yeah. a spe- you know, a special paid for content, but you know, some kind of incentive that it's would be idea. worth it. That wouldn't cost a ton of money. Something that's going to be equal on all fronts. And we'll always read, uh, 
if Mark lets us know the the people, um, if they want to be read out online. I know a lot of the podcasts do that too. They'll be like, thanks yeah. to the Patreon supporters, this or whatever. We can record a little ditty or something. If you yeah. wanted your name to be on there. That's yeah, cool yeah. Too. lots of what ifs. Uh, T-shirts are definitely in the pipeline, guys. Um, I'll talk to you and uh, you, uh, Preston and Steve, after uh, we get off here. But I've got a little farther on that. So we'll be putting up some pre-orders for T-shirts here before too long as well. Get those rolling out, maybe just in time for the holiday season. Rep those at all your guys' Christmas dinners and family reunions so your family can say, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they don't already. Cool. All right. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I really want to get a. I really want to get a bolo tie with the fucking little alien top of it. That'd be tight. Because you wear a lot of bolo ties. Totally rock a fucking bolo tie, man. Imagine like Steve and like uh, he gets that fro from when he was a kid, a plaid shirt, some fucking Dennis Raider glasses and a bolo tie. They fucking have one. It's a Walmart too. Decent. (laughs) A Dennis Raider bolo tie? (laughs) With a fucking alien on it, bro. Oh. I've never seen that. Interesting. Cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, real quick. uh, Preston... I want to go on record as to say, uh, saying how excited I am that you're getting back in the saddle of, uh, speaking of bolo ties, getting back in the saddle <laughs> uh, of sculpting again, dude. You've been doing some yeah. uh, some sculpture lately, and I really I really like what you're doing. Yeah, I got uh, a little, uh, uh, Jeffrey and the kids think my zombie looks like it belongs on plants versus zombie. Okay. Um, so I uh, sculpted a little zombie guy. I'm working on a uh, drunken hillbilly like hills have eye gnome thing and uh then we'll see where the winds take us so (laughs) hell yeah well the important part is you're you're doing it again you're you're continuing to be creative man and that's something that you know i've struggled with before as well uh trying to stay motivated and stay active and and create and uh i'm I'm really proud of you dude i can't wait to see what you uh what you continue to cook up you know next yeah yeah. and then i got that painting i did with uh, the glow in the dark, uh, man in black with the moon and everything. Yep. Hell yeah. Dude. I was going to give the Steve as sitting in my living room. You so. really ought to start posting yeah. your progress photos of your sculptures on uh, an Instagram, you know, let some listeners should, see what you're man. working on. Yeah. And shameless plug for me, check me out on Instagram, guys. Sean Swope, I believe it's all one word, maybe capital S's, but uh, I'm back in my. No, that's not capital S's, just Sean Swope, S W O P E. I'm doing my 31 portraits and 31 days of horror creatures, horror characters, and uh, be posting number nine tomorrow. But uh, yeah, if you want to check me out, see the artwork that I do, follow me on the Insta. And uh, also speaking of Insta, uh, Steve, what is our what is our Instagram account for this show? P X L P A R A. Right. I can't remember if it's all paranormal or if it's just pixel para, right? <laughs> PXL, I always forget. No, you're good, dude. I should have just put you on the spot. It's PXL Paranormal. Okay, so, yeah. And yeah. the same for Twitter. Yep, One day I'll remember. Well. One day we'll use Twitter. <laughs> Instagram is the future, folks. So cool, awesome. And then speaking of making things with your hands, Preston, where should they go? What should they check out? As always, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com for all your beard cared products. With scents like Dundee Cedar, Fresh, Citrus, Sweet Tobacco, Bay Rum, Classic, Mint. And use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and make that 
clone Indian baby jealous of the <laughs> beard that you're rocking. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Check out our friends over at Gunslinger Soap. And also, if you're a patch or uh, enamel pin kind of person, check out Maiden Voyage Co. on Instagram or their website. They make a lot of great paranormal patches and uh, some pretty cool enamel pins. I've got a pretty rad uh, Mothman pin uh, on my, my denim cut that I wear. So, Well, guys, a little longer than usual. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. It's good to be back uh, together again, and we can't wait for what the future holds. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Cheers to the weird shit, guys, and those of us who love to talk about it. Bye. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.